This episode is sponsored by Lubemarine, your global partner for pioneering lubrication solutions. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm shipping reporter Eric Priante-Martin, and today we're going to discuss the hot market for ships that make the build-out of offshore wind power possible. Cattler operates in a niche market that's on a rapid growth path. The Denmark-based company owns a fleet of wind turbine installation vessels, or WTIVs. These ships do exactly what their name suggests, so the company's fate is bound up with the projects to build renewable electricity production at sea. This is Mikkel Glirup, Cattler's chief executive, speaking at an earnings briefing in March. As a fundamental, we can say that the industry is growing very, very fast. Obviously, it's because of commitments to uh, various climate agreements and all of that, but it is certainly also because of the whole energy security uh, debate that especially uh, goes on in Europe at the moment. And these turbines are not just growing in number, but also in size. From 11 megawatt turbines being installed today, with 100 meter rotor blades, to planned turbines whose rotor blades are as long as two Airbus A380 passenger jets lined up wingtip to wingtip. And while GE is developing 18 megawatt turbines, Cattler is building WTIVs that are designed to handle turbines as big as 35 megawatts, if the manufacturers ever make them that big. We believe that it will plateau at some point, but we don't believe that it will plateau at what we are looking at today. We believe that it will be uh, one or two steps more before uh, it will plateau. Since Cattler first listed its shares on the Oslo Stock Exchange in November 2020, it's been on a mission. We have said from the outset that Cattler is a company that wants to grow. We want to be a significant player in the offshore wind industry, uh, and we want to be the preferred contractor in our industry. So it is a continuing growth journey, and you can also see that with what we tell you today and the numbers we report today, we are gearing up for further growth. I can also say that we are constantly working between, uh, on between three and seven different strategic opportunities. As Tradewinds reported over the last week, Cadillar has now decided on one of those strategic opportunities. A merger with rival Anetti, another owner of WTIVs, creating the biggest player in the sector. So we wanted to use today's episode to explore the prospects for this market. Because just as WTIV owners need offshore wind projects in order to be profitable, the wind projects need WTIVs and other ships in order to go forward. And the deal to bring together Anetti and Cattler is just one example of the way companies on both sides of that equation are gearing up for a tightening market in the WTIV sector. Experts in offshore wind vessels point to another example, growing interest by the wind power companies to tie up these vessels in long-term charters. German electricity giant RWE recently signed up to charter one WTIV from Belgium's Jan de Nul for four years and another for five. Martin Lisney is a senior analyst at Reisted Energy a research and business intelligence company. I asked him what the Anetti Cadillac merger says about the WTIV sector. It highlights the tightness that we have seen. You have everyone has talked about in the markets that we don't have enough vessels, etc. So now, now that we see we see one giant kind of uh, emerging as, as they are, and I, I think we, we want to kind of combine this with the the Jan de Nul RWE long term agreement as well. So I think that we're now kind of putting some more certainty and, and some some more structure to, to a market that has been very uncertain. It's been on a project by project basis. Uh, and I think for the two companies, it, it makes it, it makes total sense. Uh, they will now have the combined largest fleet. They have a lot of new builds. They can do 
foundation, they can do turbines, they're ready for the next generation. Cadler has a large backlog and Netty has a lot of open days. You see rates are going up, which is a sign of, of, of the tightness as well. So I think it's kind of a, you could say like a more maturing, we're going into to a stage where it's becoming more certain, more structured for the, the installation vessels. And when Lizne looks at the order book of new building WTIVs and the project pipeline in the offshore wind sector, it gets really tight in the next few years, particularly in 2026, as projects with larger turbines potentially find a shortage of ships that can install them. And that could start to impact those projects. WTIV owners have worked to upgrade vessels to handle larger turbines, but that can only help so much. Although we have, we have seen uh, announced new builds that are coming in, with all the projects and all the timings that are expected at these times, we, we think we, we could see some, some delays there. And it, it takes a long time to build these as well. So we're now getting to a really to a point where if there's no more orders coming now, we, we probably need to see some of these, these projects get, get moved. Um, and it's because they're all opting for the, the largest turbine sizes and they're all going for the largest components. So the, the candidates that ha- have been upgraded, maybe almost all of the candidates have been upgraded or are scheduled to get upgraded already. So there's really not that much existing supply that can get upgraded. So additional su- supply has to come from, from new builds. And it's that potential for a WTIV bottleneck that's believed to have led RWE to start locking in these ships for the long term. Shipbroker Nicola Troop works on the offshore renewables desk at Braemar, a major broking house. This is what RWE have done to help secure their future projects against potential bo- bottlenecks, which, you know, this, this, the WTIV market and other wind vessels have been uh, highlighted as having a, a lack of supply in the future. And it's moves like these, like RWEs, that really tells us that, uh, you know, Big, big uh, players are willing to put their money where their mouth is to ensure their projects have the capacity on the vessel side. And RWE is not the only one. There are nearly 20 wind turbine installation vessels on order. Do these ships, which cost hundreds of millions of dollars each, face any risk that the offshore wind project pipeline will slip and there will be times when they find less work? That doesn't look like a problem in the next few years. I definitely think that the the new buildings um, that have been that have been ordered will. I mean, they're, they're already um, working to sign themselves up, and players such as Cadillac have already committed some of their new builds for projects going forward. As the nature of this type of market, they have to plan project pipelines many years in advance. So, I mean, at this stage, I don't think that they're going to be sitting on their hands with vessels. And uh, just to reiterate, with moves such as RWEs, taking on vessels for multi- multiple years to ensure their projects, it's a trend that we're seeing in the industry as well, just because the developers want to ensure that they do have their necessary vessels. So we we're seeing tenders in, the, in progress right now uh, that are also looking for multi-year WTIVs. And those WTIVs are not alone. Other ships like Wind Farm Foundation Installation Vessels, or WFIVs, and cable lay vessels that are also used in offshore renewables projects may also be in short supply. The experts believe more WTIV new building orders may be likely. Norway's Fred Olsen Wind Carrier, for example, 
has expressed interest in ordering more vessels. And though it put a pause on the effort after Russia's invasion of Ukraine inserted new uncertainty into the global energy scenario, True believes that company may be the next to invest in WTIV new buildings. And the shipbroker pointed to the US market, where only one WTIV new building has been ordered at a domestic yard for a growing number of projects. So more orders may be needed to meet that demand, though those will likely be constructed outside the US and work alongside locally built feeder barges. But despite the demand picture, ordering a ship that costs more than $300 million is still not an easy decision. Reistad's Lizne said that the growing tightness is pretty clear in the buildup to 2030, and he estimates that another 10 WTIV new buildings are needed to meet that schedule. One of the uncertainties as well is the project pipeline beyond 2030, because it's starting to firm up a lot towards 2030, and, and we can then say with, with confidence that we need uh, additional new builds to deliver on these targets. But how, how does the project pipeline look from 30 to 40, etc.? Will there be sustained activity? And then there's another risk, new technology. As wind farm developers look to deeper waters, future offshore wind projects may involve floating turbines, which may not need a WTIV. And there are other technologies under development that could reduce the need for WTIVs in future projects. You see technologies now coming out for wind spider as an example, which don't require an installation vessel, but uh, it's a going on the model pile and then self-elevating. It's like, I'm not saying that that will completely take over by a certain, but you, you never know. It is moving so fast, so new technologies are, are coming in. That's just one risk factor in a booming market that's rapidly evolving. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The Green Seas newsletter explored what are expected to be the final ratifications needed to bring the Hong Kong Convention for safe and environmentally sound recycling of ships to life. We looked at how India, whose scrapyards have already invested in upgrading to meet the convention's requirements, has asked for measures that will allow that investment to be valued before the treaty enters force. Once Bangladesh and a major flag state deposit the ratification documents with the International Maritime Organization, the treaty becomes law after 24 months. Get the newsletter in your inbox at tinyurl.com slash greenseas. Navigator Holdings and Boomi Armada have teamed up to create a joint venture that will offer transportation of captured carbon and inject it into storage at sea. Navigator, a ship owner that specializes in gas carriers, and floating infrastructure company Boomi are targeting the UK market with their Blue Streak CO2 venture. The United Nations has approved the High Seas Treaty, which is aimed at protecting biodiversity in the areas of the ocean that are outside of national jurisdictions. Read these stories and more at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode is by Coma Media from Pixabay.